I'm Dr. Gary Linkoff, founder and medical director of City Facial Plastics. Thank you for tuning into Face Facts, a podcast where medical professionals discuss everything related to facial aesthetics, plastic surgery, and hair restoration. All right. Well, welcome. Thank sure, you we'll for have... having me. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have some more people joining us. And, you know, we'll post this afterwards, too, for people to be able to listen okay. in. Awesome. I, I think it's a unique experience. You know, I, I've been uh, watching like what my colleagues are doing and I don't think anyone's offering this type of service. And I think it's, um, it's a really good thing. See, someone wrote a cool idea. So um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's one thing to just speak about a procedure or about, you know, just the concept, you know, in, in medicine, but it's different when you're actually talking to a patient, you know, because people come with all types of different questions, concerns, and you know, I think it's it's really nice to. So thank you for um, being so kind to to do this for oh, everybody. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, of course. So my understanding is that you're interested in in a lip lift. Yes, through the years, you know, it's dropped a lot. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what your what your goals are. Um, I want to be able to see my teeth, but also like on the vermilion border, you could see like that rippling. So I don't know if that's through the years, like over, you know, filling my lips. And then now that I don't fill them, that it kind of like stretched out, but it's almost like a rippling effect, if you can see. And I'm, what I'm afraid of is obviously the scar. Right. And also if you pull up, mm-hmm. wouldn't that create like a more rippled effect or does that flatten out it's a really good question and it's something that a lot of times is not discussed in a lip lift consultation but i think it should be you know i think it really should be so a couple of things just to kind of tease it all apart so one i guess just i'll ask some more questions and then i'll answer all of your questions okay so in yes. terms of the the filler you mentioned that you used to get filler injections so when when did you start getting those like about how many years ago when did you start i'm 47 now yeah. i would think you know my early 30s late 20s okay okay and back then it was like you know to have right. mm-hmm. big lips was 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 the thing Right, right. And, and some would say even, you know, even now, yeah, it's still right. kind of a, but that's interesting. And do you know, at that time, were they using um, like HA or hyaluronic acid based fillers? Or do um, you know what they were injecting? Yeah, Juvederm, like it started with like, you know, the Restylane and then Juvederm. Right, right, those right. kind of products. And then when did you stop getting those injections? Um, I slowed down a few years ago. And so I'll just do like touch-ups just because I'm so paranoid about that, you know, rippling yeah. effect. And I, there's just no way to kind of get rid of that. So you're, so you're feeling, it's, it seems like your feeling is that the, the injections created that type of effect. I'm not sure. You know, I think so. I mean, because I haven't filled them in a while. Right. So, and I feel like it's more, you can see it even more. Right, right. And when they were doing the injections, were they going right along the vermilion border? I mean, I've had so many and so many different doctors, but yes, they did do that. And then, you know, but I also have had it different areas. Yeah, got it. So with the lighting currently, it's a little bit difficult to see some of the, um, you know, some of the area here. Uh, Do you have also some vertical lines running up and down? Um, I can't tell if it's that or if it's more of the rippling or it's the, or the rippling is like the beginning of the lines. I'm not really that sure. 
Right. So, okay. So that's, so thank you for responding to those questions. It's going to help me sort of frame everything. All right. So I'll, I'll go on a, on a little diatribe for, for a bit. Okay. okay. So first of all, filler isn't completely benign. Okay. And what I mean by that, it's not just a temporary solution. So people say, well, you know, I'm going to get the filler. And mm -hmm. if I don't want to get it anymore, I'll just stop and everything will go away or I can get it once and then it'll just dissolve, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. That's only partially true. So when you're doing filler and I do filler, right, for people, it's not like I only mm -hmm. do surgery. So I do offer that um, as well. But I think people need to understand just like, you know, you're rightfully scared of a scar, you know, from mm -hmm. a lip lift. But I think people aren't always told about what could happen with just filler, even just one time mm -hmm. filler. There, every time you put the needle into a very delicate area like the lip, mm -hmm. you can cause, um, you do cause some degree of scar tissue, like a tract mm -hmm. of scar, right? Needle mm -hmm. goes in, needle comes out, and then the body needs to repair that area. So it causes a little bit of scarring. But imagine getting those injections time after time, every right. six to eight months, and each time it's leaving a little bit of a track mark. All right, let's see, when do you start seeing scarring in the lip from filler? So that someone's asking when do you start seeing yeah. that, that type of scarring? It's hard to say, it's different for every person. I mean, for sure, if someone just goes one time and gets a conservative injection of filler, it's not necessarily gonna cause you know, that scarring to develop. But over time, it right. definitely can. Mm -hmm. So two things can happen. One is that the filler that builds up over time, it can migrate. Uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. all just dissolve, you know, like people think it does. There's MRI studies more recently, not just for the lips, but also other areas of the face that show that filler actually stays within the body, within the face much, much longer than, you know, the six to nine months, even a year that's often quoted. Maybe the actual effect, the appearance goes away after that period of time, right. but it will, it will stay, you know, for, lo for longer. And when it's staying, it's not always staying in exactly the areas where you want it to stay. So it might migrate away from the vermilion where it was placed. What do these injection scars do? Well, so one is that they can make your lip more full. So people say that, well, I'm going to get the filler and then I'll stop getting the filler and my lip should come back to normal. But if you've gotten the filler for years, it's yeah, going to leave a little bit of that kind of thick scarring. So it almost looks like people still are getting filler, even though right. they've stopped now for years. So I think that's partly what you're, you're kind of describing. And it can migrate away from the area where it's injected. So that, those are some of the issues with filler, especially long-term effects, right? No one right. wants to talk about the long-term effects. It's always just come in, you get the filler, you look great. And then if you want to stop, you stop. But certain effects are going to stay with you for longer, especially if you're getting the filler for years. So those are some of the things that you have to keep in mind. Now, in terms of what you're describing along the vermilion and a little bit of, of a rippling type effect, that's most likely a combination of that. So probably okay. some remnant filler combined with some degree of scar tissue. Okay, so that makes it very difficult to reverse, right? If the first thing you would want to try is to dissolve the filler. So using what's called hyaluronidase. Mm -hmm. Oh, isn't that a good thing? Well, it's a good thing if you want to continue with that look, but imagine, you know, 10 years you know, later, you say, well, now I don't want a thick lip that protrudes out. I want it flat right. on my face and I mm -hmm. want it raised up. Well, now you're talking surgery instead of maybe 
if you hadn't done anything, maybe it would have looked better, you know? So that's, it's just the consideration. That's where I am. Well, that, you know, and, and I see people in your shoes in their forties who, you know, are, are kind of in the same boat. So it's definitely mm -hmm. one kind of category of folks that, that come to see me. So I would first start with this, trying to dissolve the filler with hyaluronidase, which is the antidote to the filler, just mm -hmm. to see what that does. Okay. And see if that helps. Now, the vertical lines that some people get, and again, because of the lighting, it's a little hard for me to tell from this kind of angle. But yeah, I'm guessing, you know, there might be some lines for me. It looks like it anyway. But just to kind of describe what those lines are, um, there's a muscle that runs around our lips like this. Okay, mm -hmm. it's called the orbicularis oris. So just like we have muscles that run along the forehead, other parts of the face that create these lines on the skin, right? So the lines are always perpendicular to the direction of the muscle fibers, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. the forehead muscle runs like this. There's, it's almost right. like two halves. So mm -hmm. the lines form like this. Mm -hmm. This muscle runs like that. So the lines are going to be perpendicular to it. Some people call it, you know, different names. You know, there's all these little names for it. Smokers, I mean, even right. people have never smoked in their life. But, right. you know, people say it's, it's from drinking from a straw, all types mm -hmm. of stuff. But bottom line is it's just from overuse of that muscle. It, it happens to most people, you know, as we get older. Now, that's a completely different issue than what you're talking about at the vermilion you know, rippling or changing of the architecture at the vermilion border mm -hmm. has nothing to do with those vertical lines that form. Now, those vertical lines, that's an interesting kind of situation, right? Because mm -hmm. one way to treat them, some people say, well, let me just go in with, with filler and treat each line. I don't think that's a great approach. Again, the filler can migrate. It's, it can start to look asymmetric, a little bit weird. A lip lift will reduce this distance, right? So if the lines run pretty high up, it'll reduce the, the distance mm -hmm. and the visibility of those lines. However, it won't get rid of the lines completely. So you have to consider other modalities such as laser resurfacing mm -hmm. or like a deep chemical peel to get at the lines. And, and then sometimes it's still hard to get them out completely, but it can help. But for people, it's important for them to know that a lip lift alone won't solve that. You know, right. just like, so the lip lift doesn't really do too much for the vermilion border, you know, for better or worse, but the incision is away from it. So, you know, you're raising the lip, but you're not really changing the shape of the vermilion too much. You can control, I can control it to some degree, but I can't take out that the rippling effects. Right. And then surgery along the vermilion is actually quite, I wouldn't say dangerous, mm -hmm. but it's dangerous from the standpoint of poor aesthetic results. Right, because yeah. you know, if you if you have a scar there, it just doesn't. It's hard no. to hide it. it. Doesn't look good. Mm. There used to be so one type of a lip lift. It's called a gull wing incision. So okay. as opposed to the bullhorn, the bullhorn mm. you know goes under here. It looks like a bull's horns, mm -hmm. but the gull wing um, looks like you know a bird flying. And that incision is actually made at the vermilion border, and that's how it used to be done. And I have seen some surgeons mm. still using that technique, but it's kind of um, yeah, outdated at this point. Right because of the scarring. scarring. So those are some of my initial thoughts. I like what you said about trying to expose your upper teeth. Can you make a yeah. feel more pronounced? Someone asked, not really, to be honest. I mean, to some degree, I would say an improvement of about maybe 15 to 20% I can do mm -hmm. with a lip lift. 
-hmm. because when I do my lift, I accentuate these areas along the filtrum. If you mm -hmm. take the filtral columns and you follow them down, well, you're, you know, you're at your cupid's bow. So you can accentuate them, but not in a very um, significant, dramatic way. So it's, it's hard to, um, to, to make major changes in cupid's bow. Yeah. When I was younger, like when I smiled, you could see all my teeth. Now <laughs> you can barely see my teeth, like the, the top teeth. Wow. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that's from overfilling and then just stretching out the skin or, or aging and, you know, my skin, my lip dropping. Yeah. No, great question. Um, some of it has to do with actual bony changes, right? Mm -hmm. So the skin and the outer areas are changing what you're seeing right but keep in mind that as we age the bone also changes so the fat mm -hmm. that lives within our faces changes mm -hmm. it atrophies we lose a lot of it mm -hmm. and the bone also resorbs mm -hmm. so if you look at a picture of a you know a young person they have a lot of bony mass like it's everything is filled in you know, the bone is very uh, robust and, and full in the face. If you look at a really, really old person, just for contrast, you see a much more kind of withered look. And the socket, the eye socket has kind of widened and gotten bigger. This mm -hmm. whole area, this bone, the maxilla has resorbed and gotten much smaller. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's just something that we don't always think about, right? Because we think mm -hmm. about what's going on on the surface. But a lot of that is a byproduct of the actual bony skeleton that lives underneath. And we know that after pretty much the age of like 25, that's kind of our peak bone mass. And then it starts to go down for men and mm -hmm. women. And that's so that's so what you're describing with the um, upper lip getting longer is partially due to the underlying bone of the maxilla this upper jaw getting sort of smaller and, and rearranging over time. And of course, the skin's elongating. Mm. Um, the filler makes the whole situation a, a bit worse, usually over time. Mm. And that's kind of what's, what's happening. Um, so how do you counter that, right? So filler, can you shorten this distance? That's a common question I get. Can you shorten mm. the filtrum with filler? You can create the illusion of that but you can't truly shorten mm -hmm. that distance, right? right? So instead of this, you can kind of create this mm -hmm. and it kind of gives you a look of it being shorter, but then you're also projecting that upper lip out. Mm. So that's what filler is, is doing. Uh, right. so it's hard to shorten it with that. Really without surgery, I mean, there's other things described. There's a um, plasma pen, you know, a little thing that yes. pulls the skin. Right. I mean, there's like Botox injections. It's just not enough to create a substantial change. Yeah. So which you're looking, I, which is what I need. I mean, even if you look from the side, you can mm -hmm. barely see my lip anymore. Yeah. From my yeah, side. From the side is a great view. Also from the front, if you can just, if you face the camera and open mm -hmm. your mouth slightly. Yeah, I think that's the best view. A lot of times people will send me photos and they'll just be smiling and, you right. know, and, but the best shot is actually just that a mouth gently mm. open and just looking straight ahead and mm. seeing if those teeth show. Well, when, I, when I'm, when I'm designing the amount of removal that I do for the, for the lip lift, that's really the view that I care most about. Right. And so I'm designing it with the patient sitting right there 
and we do sort of a simulation where we pull mm -hmm. up from the sides, you're looking at the mirror and you can see how much your upper lip is rolling out and you see how much more of the tooth show you're getting mm -hmm. and how this distance is shortening and all mm -hmm. those things you can appreciate. And it's a, you know, it's kind of a crude approximation, but it, it really works and we actually can then decide the number of millimeters to remove based right. on that kind of, uh, you know, in-office assessment. It's hard for me to do it uh, virtually. I know there are softwares that, let, you know, that they kind of tell you that they can do that, but you're never going to see the change in the teeth. The dental show mm. will, will never be something that you can get out of, you know, like a, a software rendering. They're right. just not advanced enough. So it's kind of not, not totally helpful. Right. You can uh, tell just by the amount of skin you're going to take. Yeah, really? yeah, exactly. So one other thing, let's talk about um, asymmetry. Uh, have you noticed mm -hmm. when you look at your lips, Jennifer, have you noticed any difference from one side to the other? Yes, yes. And just this past five years, maybe. So at rest now, if you look at my mouth, it mm. almost looks like it's crooked. So if I like am at rest, it kind of goes to one side. Yeah. Yeah. And which side would you say is kind of longer along the filter? I think this side. I'm seeing it a little bit differently, but again, it might be just the optics of, you know, the camera. Your right side, to me, along My, the filter, yeah. Your, yeah, your, your right side. So the, the side, okay. that, not, not yeah. the one you were touching, the other side, to me, looks like the filtrum is a bit longer there. Oh, yes. Yes, right. absolutely. This, this lip looks wider, I mean, but this right. looks longer, yes. Right, right. And that could be something that you had, you know, sort of from birth and then over time, as everything sort of came downwards and expanded, mm -hmm. uh, the, the asymmetry becomes, you know, a little bit more obvious. So that's right. possible. So can the lip lift address that? That's another kind of common question I get. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, it, it can. That amount of asymmetry can be improved. So depending on which part of the lip I see the asymmetry, I can uh, design the incision to kind of offset that a little bit compared right. to the other side. So that's something that's important to keep in mind because um, you know people are looking for improved symmetry. It won't be ever completely exact, but you can go for some improvement there. Right, because this side, yeah, this side seems much longer and mm -hmm. this side, the lip seems a little bit wider. I don't know if that's just because of the skin or. Yeah, well, as the right side rolls out with the oh, lip, it will more likely just match that left side better. You know, we're okay. always, in plastic surgery, we're always talking about making improvements, making things better we try not to promise people any type of perfection um you know because it's just not realistic you know you can only do so much mm -hmm. so now do you have any any i mean i want to talk to you about the scar because i know you said you were worried about that anything else you wanted to mention or share or well, I, I just was, that? i know that some i don't I haven't seen it but i know like the bullhorn is probably the most popular maybe I'm wrong, the Italian lip lift is just in the corners, correct? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much on the sides, yeah. Is that just for someone that doesn't have a lot of skin to be taken? That's a good question. It's, it's again, it's an older style of lip lift. Okay. And it was designed with good intentions, right? The idea was, well, why do we have to make one big incision? Why can't we make two smaller incisions, right? It seems on the surface like a great idea. However, 
the reason you need a longer incision is to offset the tension that forms, okay. right? So when you remove a portion of the, of the filtrum, mm. you're then suturing against gravity, right? Gravity's coming down, everyone's walking upright all day, so the lip wants oh, to pull down. So it actually is better to suture a longer incision than to have two little small ones that now have to bear a lot more oh, tension. Right. Yeah, right. because if you design them in such a way that they are very small, you won't really create a big improvement, right? right. So if you can make them small and have them heal well, but you've done nothing for the overall appearance. Mm. If you remove a lot on the sides and you close it into this little tiny thing, mm. not gonna look good. Those areas are gonna widen and it, you rather have a long, it's the same thing for a facelift. It's better to have a long incision that's barely perceptible, a kind of a thin little mm. line on, yeah. than like two thicker, shorter yeah. lines, right? Yeah. Same thing for people talk about mini lifts. Again, that's going off topic, but it's the same general idea that if you do a, tr a true, very, you know, non-invasive mini lift where you just pull the skin a little bit mm -hmm. and suture for a mm -hmm. facelift, you'll get a wide scar, even though it's short. Much better to do a, a deeper plane surgery and properly release the area and then have a longer incision, but then that heals much better. So it's a, it's the same, it's, it's all about the tension, exactly right. Yeah, uh, said, it, said it said it well. So exactly, it's about the tension. And then the other thing with the Italian lift is that you're not really doing much for the central mm. compartment. So then it looks a little weird because you know, it's better to lift everything together. Sure. You know, so, so that's my um, opinion on the on the Italian. Now, bullhorn, there's been different modifications, you know, that the different people have come up with everyone basically has their own technique, right? Uh, just like in all of surgery. So just like someone takes a facelift and calls it their own version of the facelift. Same here, you know, so my version, I call it the Ella lift. You know, part of it is marketing and branding, mm. but there's also, you know, specific little tricks that I do during surgery that help, again, further reduce the tension. Um, and also they are designed in such a way where I can better reapproximate the skin once these, this area is removed you're left with now skin down here and then the base of your nose and you have to make those match up, right? <laughs> so what happens oftentimes is that the surgical markings that we do in the beginning of surgery, they get wiped off by the end. So <laughs> then it's a lot of guesswork to say, does this area fit in here or does this area fit in here? And it's actually trickier than you might think on a technical level. So I use something called methylene blue, which is a special temporary ink it's a blue ink. It's not like at the tattoo parlor, parlor. It's a medical grade, you know, it's actually an injectable dye. I just mm -hmm. use it on the skin surface. It's gone within a couple of days and it helps me reapproximate that skin perfectly because mm -hmm. those markings don't go anywhere at the end of the surgery. The other thing I do that's, you know, relatively unique. I mean, there are other people doing something similar, but I, I do what's called undermining. So when I uh, remove the skin, and then mm. the area that's remaining down here, I don't just take the skin and pull it up because the skin is attached to muscle. And mm. if you move that up together, there's again, more of that pull down and tension, right? Because the muscle is kind of thick. So what I do is I separate the skin from the muscle on the inside. Okay. And now I just take that skin flap and I suture it up. 
and there's again less tension and it tends to heal a bit better. Now, that being said, Jennifer, there's no such thing as a perfect scar every time. It right. doesn't matter whose hands it's in. People ask me, well, what else can happen, you know, other than just the scar? The nostrils can appear a little bit, not really wider in this dimension, but you can get a little bit more nostril show, like a little mm -hmm. bit more black part showing. Mm -hmm. And if you look closely at before and afters of mine, as well as some of the other people doing a lot of lip lifts, you'll see that effect in not every case, but maybe 20%, something like that. And that's something that I think is really, you know, something worth talking about. Uh, most patients don't even notice it. Even if I notice it in a photo, they don't, they don't really care. I've never had anyone complain about their results because of that happening. Most people are so happy with their lip, but it's mm. just a good thing to know, you know, so you're not like shocked afterwards. If you see a little bit more, not, it's not usually a very, um, you know, drastic no, change. Right. Yeah. Do they ever stitch in the nostril? So good question. When I do the incision here and I'm, when I'm done and I'm ready to stitch it up, there are internal stitches. So it might not be exactly what you're asking, but I'll just cover that. So there are stitches, not just what you see on the surface, but there are deep stitches that are, again, reducing that tension. And so that's really important. Those are always dissolvable. They dissolve on their own. The outer ones can be dissolvable, but that's not first choice. First choice is a stitch that you have to remove because mm -hmm. it causes less inflammation. Okay. okay. Now, in terms of making the incision into the nose, right? Some people do that because they say, well, again, we can create one long incision, but why not basically hide some of that inside the nose? And I have, you know, some colleagues I know who around the country, they, they do that technique and, you know, they have fine results. But the concern is this, there are natural boundaries of the face, right? And the way we're classically taught, not just for cosmetic things, but for reconstructive procedures also, is to stay within the bounds, the natural kind of boundaries yeah. of, the, of the face. So if you take the lip, right, if you made an incision inside the nose, and you then suture, you're bringing the lip into the nose. It starts to look artificial. Right. If, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for someone with a good eye, you know, it starts to look a bit artificial. You change the shape of the nostril completely, especially when you look at it from, yeah. from this view. And this area here called the nasal sill, you see mm. that little prominence yeah. that goes into, the, it's like a mound. Yeah. Uh -huh. They cut through that when they do that type of internal work. Oh, I see and you that. can't get that back. So now instead of a mound, it's just flat. Oh, right. So it do, just doesn't, doesn't look, look real. Unnatural. Doesn't look very real. So I prefer not to use that approach for those reasons. But again, you know, it could work. It's not a terrible thing, but you know, it's just not <laughs> yeah. ideal. And then there are some approaches that just involve using a, like a suture on the inside of the nose. And they, some people claim that that, that you know, pref that does a, an adequate lip lift and it, it really does not. It's yeah. not one that's gonna last, um, you know, you might get a little bit of lift. And then some people talk about, yeah. yeah. Some people talk about making cuts on the inside uh, over here. Um, and by doing that, basically recruiting some of the tissue on the inside and bringing the lip out, again, doesn't exactly accomplish what people, most people want. And it definitely won't contribute to increasing the amount of teeth that are showing, right. which is what most people want the lip lift for. Right. And 
you can't get rid of the skin you know there's too yeah. much skin yeah exactly so you know there's this kind of idea of like a therapeutic window you know just like a medication right if you take too low of a dose you know it may not do anything for you if you take too right. many of the pills then it could hurt you mm -hmm. it's the same thing with the with the lip lift mm -hmm. if you don't remove enough skin then people are upset they're like well why did i do this procedure if you remove too much skin it's almost impossible to put it back mm. so you have to be conservative enough but also aggressive enough to create a change and there's an art to that you know like people talk about distance and number of millimeters it's not just about the number of right. millimeters it's about sizing it up for that person and keeping the upper red lip and the lower red lip in good proportion you don't want the upper red lip to be much bigger than the lower red lip because that starts to look weird too right but just one question i have one yeah. question if you take some of the skin out and you're pulling up what do yeah. you see the wet part of the lip i've actually never had it um happen where you start to see that's a great question i've never had it happen where you start to see the the wet part uh, that being said some people will not complain but it, it can be a little bit of a nuisance i would say for the first half a year where they can get a bit of dryness on their lip. And so that's probably happening because the wet part is getting rolled out to some degree, mm. but not to the point of like looking weird or funny that now, you know, that area is out. So it's a good, great question. I rarely get asked that. So yeah, I think some people will develop a little bit of dryness. It almost always goes away as the, the area kind of adapts, you know, and, and it, it's fine. but. Uh, but it's probably happening for that reason, but it's not a very visible issue. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the scar, look, I mean, most people heal great without any intervention. Most people who don't heal great without intervention, all they need is a little steroid shot. Yeah. Some people, a handful of people will need either a little revision surgery once, you know, wait at least three months to do that very you know uncommon in my practice but i also fix a lot of lip lifts that are done mm -hmm. elsewhere and so i'm used to kind of removing that extra scar and just doing a very neat job i again raise a flap so i don't just remove the scar and suture you have to take the tension off and mm -hmm. so i do that you know the same way that i do my lip lift and the scar tends to tends to heal i'm actually going to be posting a picture soon of one of these revisions where all I did was really focus on the scar and trying to make that better with surgery. Now, if this, so if it's a wide scar, I recommend that. I don't recommend laser and all that other stuff. If it's a thin scar um, and you're just looking for that last bit of refinement, then I think a laser is reasonable um, or some dermabrasion along the area. And then the other thing to remember, if it's very raised in a kind of a narrow segment, right, of scar, and you really, you've removed a lot of skin and you don't want to remove a lot more mm -hmm. or you can't really remove much more. Then you start to look into like laser and dermabrasion to bring the height of the scar down. So there are things you can do with those other modalities, but you know, I think sometimes people forget that actually a little revision surgery is better mm -hmm. than all those other things. People get that wide scar. Is that from the tension? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost always from the tension. Now, is the tension from the surgery, from the surgical technique? Is the tension from just the way the person heals? 
people also just form thick scars sometimes because of their the way their body heals you know they just they don't heal well but also i believe a lot of it has to do with what you're doing in the right. recovery phase that, right. very important very important so i tell people for two weeks to really limit all movements of the mouth mm. and that includes talking it includes everything you eat you have to be very mindful soft foods you know just limiting conversations uh, not exercising you know all those things that people want to start doing as soon as they can and also the way you treat the actual scar so right. you know i walk people through the steps of that mm. um, usually start applying scar gel at about 10 to 12 days after Mm -hmm. And that continues for a few months. You know, you just want to be mindful of what you're doing to it. You want to protect it from the sun. Yeah, someone said rest during recovery. That's exactly what you need to do. You know, that's... this is a good time to get it. You can wear your mask. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's actually really an interesting point. I had people when we were just closing down right before say like, can you like fit me in for a procedure? I'm right. not just a lip with other things too. And you know, we, we thought it would be a great idea until we started to realize, oh, my God, this is actually a really bad, you know, virus. And then we got shut down, you know, the whole city. Right. Like, it's just they can't can't do surgery and all this stuff. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, but but we'll we'll see kind of what happens with the, with the reopening. It's um, there's still a lot of questions that, that I have that a lot of people have. Right. It's not just what we want to do. It's, you know, it's mandated by the state. Mm -hmm. You know, Governor Cuomo, is, he's very involved with all the decision making. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, it's kind of whatever he says. So right now, my practice is scheduled to open May 19th. But oh, he says, you know what, it's because, yeah, the state is supposed to open things up for elective surgery May 15th. But they might push it back, you know, depending on how many cases we have, the resource. Day by day. Yeah, day by day. Exactly. So that's been challenging just for scheduling things. So, yeah, so that so we'll see. But that's a that's an interesting point that, you know, now. You know, there's nothing wrong with wearing a mask. So a lot of people would walk out of my office with a mask after this procedure right. anyway, right? So now, and, and actually most people don't, I mean, forget about this whole COVID situation before it. Most people would actually leave the office with um, basically skin colored bandages mm -hmm. that one would run across and then two little vertical ones. So, okay. you know, people yeah. would say like, oh, I had a mole removed or whatever. You know, it really was very um, discreet. What kind of anesthesia? So I use primarily just local anesthesia, like lidocaine with epinephrine. It's just an injection, like at the dental, you know, office. That that's all you need. Uh, some people ask for something more, so I give Valium. But I ask them for them to have a, you know, like a friend or a family member escort them out. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. after the procedure, I don't want them jumping in an Uber after having had a procedure with the medication, you know, that was taken by mouth because, you know, they could still have some of the effects of that. Yeah. And then pain is really not an issue. I give pain like strong uh, painkillers that most people take just the first night. Uh, and then they just switch to plain Tylenol. And usually by the second day, they already aren't like taking much. You get swollen day three. It's the worst usually. And then it starts to get better. Is there a lot of swelling? Yeah. So per the perfect timing, I was just getting into it. So yeah, the swelling is worse at day three for most, and then it, it starts to improve. I see patients usually by day five or six, and I would say about 80% of the swelling is gone by then for like 95 plus percent of patients. And then the residual swelling is gone, you know, within the first few weeks. I mean, but you know, it, each day it gets better, but it does kind of get worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. 
So day three is the worst for most. But again, some people swell more than others. Some people don't bruise at all. Others have like, you know, a bad bruise here that takes two weeks to get better. So, you know, there's only so much I can do for that. Sometimes there's very little bleeding during surgery and they get a terrible bruise after. And other times it's very bloody during the procedure and there's no bruising. So hard to predict. When doesn't the top lip get bigger and then the bottom one smaller or another really good question you've definitely done your research uh really really good question so a lot of times i'm asked well will i need filler into the bottom lip because we're just addressing the top lip you're right in that the surgery is not we're not touching the lower lip mm -hmm. but here's what i found first of all the body again accommodates to the change meaning that you know, the body's not used to having now the upper lip in a new position all of a sudden, right? So it makes changes because your lips still need to come together and you need to do all the things that you're used to doing. So what I've, I don't know, I don't think it's a discovery per se, but I, don't, I haven't seen this published in our literature. The bottom lip does come up somewhat and does take on a little bit more volume. It's as if the body is just kind of reconfiguring things. Mm so that the two then meet better and can function well, right? Because that's all the body cares right. about. It doesn't care about how it looks. But with that, um, I've noticed that you do get a little bit more fullness. It does come up a little bit in the bottom lip, which is interesting over time. So most patients do not need any treatments or augmentation to the bottom lip. The other thing to remember is that the bottom lip just naturally has more volume, more mm. than sometimes we appreciate. It's almost like the top lip we're seeing like, you know, it in like a flat way, right? Like almost mm -hmm. like a two dimensional way, if you were to kind of, you know, think about it that way. And the bottom lip is almost like this three, more, a little bit more of a three dimensional structure. And so even when the top lip gets rolled out some, the bottom lip still has quite a bit of volume to accommodate that. Um, so it takes a lot, is what I'm saying, to create mm -hmm. a top lip that's really out of proportion and just looks, you know, unnatural with the bottom lip. Mm -hmm. Who would not be a good candidate um, for a lip lift, I'm assuming they're asking. So someone with too short of a distance here, that's candidate. That's number one, uh, poor candidate. Number two is someone who has really kind of long teeth and, and almost like their gums are almost visible at rest. And you don't have much room to pull up, basically, you know, because then you get too much either tooth show or too much gum show. So those are patients who are not great candidates. And so short filtral distance, really short, uh, long teeth, a lot of tooth show before surgery may not be, you know, good look for them. And then, you know, there's some medical conditions that make someone not a good candidate for just any surgery, even if it's under local. So mm. it's, I always, you know, talk to people about their, you know, history and all that kind of stuff. If they're on certain medications that mm. might make it unsafe for them. So, yeah. But, but the, those are the main kind of um, situations where someone's not a great candidate. And, you know, some people are just so scared of the scarring. And I tell them that, you know, you may just not, this may not be the right surgery for you, you know, because um, I can't promise that it's going to heal beautifully in everybody. Uh, so, you know, I can just do my best, give the proper instructions, mm -hmm. see patients back for, you know, all their visits right but there's a you know there's an element there's that's always a chance right yeah it's kind of out of your hands but i you know the overwhelming majority of my you know patients are very happy afterwards mm -hmm. and you know they just feel like 
everything's in better proportion now. They're much more confident putting on their lipstick and, and then they love that they often don't have to keep getting filler. Some of my patients keep getting filler, but again, most stop getting filler. Even the people who, I mean, I've had people who are like, they're nurse injectors who they're used to injecting their own lips and even they will stop doing it because they just feel like they're much happier with the shape and the volume of their, mm. their lips. Post-op yeah. visits, someone asked about post-op visits. So first visit is at five to, usually five to six days. I try not to go into the seventh day because again, you want to get these stitches out. And so you want to mm -hmm. keep them in for as long as you can, but if you leave them in for too long, you can get track marks. So we try to avoid that. Oh, gotcha. So okay. five or six days. And then the next visit is at four to six weeks. And usually I like to see patients back at least one more time at like three months. And, you know, I see patients for other, you know, they come in for other things too. So then I'll just happen to see them again. But, but th that, those are the intervals. And then for my patients abroad, you know, I'll do the video kind of visits with mm -hmm. them, making sure they're doing okay. I'm always happy with, even if people come from far away, that they, if they stay a little bit longer in the city, uh, that's always appreciated. How long, you can drive the same day as long as you're just getting the local. Yeah, if you get Valium or, or if you're on any of the Percocet, the narcotic medications for pain, like the first day, obviously you want to avoid driving and then just drive, you know, once you're off of those medications. But, but yeah, some people drive in and drive out. I always recommend that they bring someone else, but, you know, people do their thing. Yeah, so someone's thanking you, Jennifer, for being so brave. And okay. um, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, doing some of the stuff out in the open because it's, um, you know, there's just, people are scared they're scared you know they don't know what to ask they, they they're you know scared to bring up certain things but um but it's so it's it's really informative for folks Very what, anything else jennifer that i haven't no know? this is great yeah i learned a lot awesome awesome so we'll we'll be in touch sort of yeah, off, sure. offline it's and something we'll i definitely want to do yeah and you're i believe you're local right you're somewhere in the yeah new jersey area. yeah yeah Sounds good. Very yeah. Close. Yeah. We'll figure it out, you know, once everything Absolutely. reopens and, uh, and yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope you and your family have been staying safe and yes. Thank you. Protected. And you too. Sounds good. Thank you. We'll and, see you. Uh, I'll see you when you reopen. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. We'll be okay, in touch. Awesome. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. All have the best. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you.